Hello and welcome to the Behind the Music Business podcast, the music business podcast where I talk to a whole host of different people in and around the music business about what they do in the music business and why the hell do they do it. I'm recording this intro as I watch the rain lash against the window here in Bristol and this week's episode is with songwriter and artist Dot Allison. I was put in touch with Dot via Air Adele, company that she has been doing some bits and pieces with for the past year or so, something that we do talk about in the pod. But mainly, we talk about the songwriting process and her experiences as a professional songwriter, either writing as an artist or writing as a collaborator with and for other artists. So we talk about the process, we talk about writing camps and her experience writing with other artists like Pete Doherty, Paul Weller, Hal Davids. We talk about the idea of collaborating as songwriters, working with publishers and labels and A&Rs and the relationship that a songwriter or an artist has with the business and a whole host of other things as well. It was an amazing conversation um, we had over Skype, the wonderful world of Skype. Uh, she put up with a few hiccups to begin with. Uh, and so I'm very, very grateful for Dot to, well, for Dot for getting involved. I'm going to shut up so you can have a listen to this amazing chat with songwriter and artist Dot Allison. <laughs> So you're up on an island somewhere. I am, yeah, in our cottage. And I've got a friend that lives up here, actually, that um, I have two friends actually up here that I've been writing with. So that's right. what I'm up to. Yeah. So do you go up there fairly regularly when it comes to writing music and kind of writing in general? Yeah, a bit. I feel quite, a, there's something quite um, creatively inspirational about being up here. I don't know if it's because it is very remote. And um, but anyway, yeah, I've written a couple of songs up here recently yeah so it's quite a new thing I mean I've come up here since I was 15 because my my best pal from school's family had a croft here and now she lives here so we used to come up here a lot anyway so there's a sort of sentimental connection with this island yeah do you find it easier to to kind of take yourself away from hustle and bustle from you know going to places away from things kind of saying right I'm up here specifically to be creative to write for an amount of time or or you know I'm kind, of, I'm kind of I'm kind of I'm interested in the process really yeah I mean I find I seem to write while I'm making other plans in a weird way I mean I think the brain is such a sort of mysterious you know how, how it all works because I find traveling I find um even driving I kind of write a lot weirdly while I'm driving I sometimes have to stop the car and make okay. notes because it's almost like I'm always thinking about ideas and um but I write in Edinburgh a lot like we've got we've got a couple of pianos and guitars and I've got a, a little studio um at home and I write there yeah and then what I do is I dictaphone ideas all the time and then I play them back in the car and that's kind of stuff okay. like thinking oh 
that needs to do that. No, that lyric needs to go. That chord needs to do this. Blah 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 blah. And it's like it's almost like while well, my brain's disengaged doing something else, I'm quite you know ideas come. It's funny. Yeah. Um, and then up here, it it's lovely because it is. It's a, you know there's no distractions and it's a different type of headspace altogether. So, mm-hmm. um, I think each each way of writing, you know, or each location or each environment, or whatever. Sort of has its own value if that makes sense yeah yeah definitely you mentioned that you you find inspiration at strange times when you're driving and things like that um it, it, yeah. from your experience with the amount of people that you've collaborated with do you think that's fairly standard fairly normal i find that is yeah i mean i think i've done loads of different types of writing sessions or lots of different types of writing and it's like an idea kind of comes and taps you on the shoulder when it's ready. It doesn't, it's not something you can go, right, mm-hmm. ready, set, create, right. Yes. You know, because you, well, you can, and I think it's really important that you kind of sit down and have the discipline of doing it because you get what I noticed best Nielsen Chapman calls the lines on the way to the lines. And I think you have to write in order to get to the kind of the definitive idea. Mm-hmm. And you, and I, and as a writer, I don't know when that's going to happen. But if I'm not doing it, it won't happen, kind of thing. Or it, well, the ideas will come, but it, it, I won't necessarily mine for them. If that makes sense, yes. it's like, um, yeah, I think the best ideas I come up with, or it's when I'm almost in a without sounding kind of, um, you know, sort of trying to sound sort of esoteric or whatever, is like almost like more of a meditative state. Okay. So it's like. I think it's like when, you know, they say that one of your hemispheres is more of the logical side of the brain and the other side's like the more creative side or whatever. I don't know if that's right, but there's something about switching off the kind of analytical side to a degree that then you come, I find, I come out with things that I didn't know I could write, if that makes sense. I'd be like, God, who wrote that? You know, it's weird. Um, And I think getting to that bit of your depth of thinking depth of thought or whatever is really crucial I mean I've sat in sessions where I've worked where you're sort of writing to pitch a bit and that I found mm-hmm. quite kind of like almost um it was like that's just for me personally is just not the way to try <laughs> to try and write because you sort of start with a goal everybody is kind of trying to write a certain type of song and it yeah. just it doesn't allow the sort of it doesn't allow the sort of intuitive flow in a way if everybody's sitting kind of um with an agenda, if you know what I mean. I don't know if that makes sense. But Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I yeah, find definitely. I find I get my best ideas where I just allow them to come and I'm not sort of I'm not sort of starting with a review and writing backwards or I'm not starting with a kind of like this has got to sound like this and then working backwards. I just go with what comes, if that makes sense. And um, yeah. Mm-hmm. What would you class yourself as your area of specialism, I guess? Are you a lyricist? Are you a top liner? Are you, are, is there any particular area of songwriting that you would class yourself better at than other, other areas that you prefer? I think- I'm confident of my. I'm confident in my lyrics. I've got a lot of confidence in my lyrics. I get a lot of mm-hmm. really good feedback about my words, um, and I. But I do. I mean, I think for me, I've got a wee a, a sort of like um, 
I do a bit of everything basically. So I play piano. I I learned piano as a child, and I I'll sit at the piano and work at the chords, and um and then I play a little bit of guitar, and um, but I I think I kind of write what I wouldn't call it poetry, but I do write a lot of you know I create a lot of metaphors and a lot of images, and I I kind of just go and I go to that place in myself that I feel is slightly <laughs> more meditative place, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. and try and just almost like free flow writing and then it's quite a long process because I find I write loads and then I kind of come I revisit it and I sort of sculpt it and then I'll erase bit or I'll move bits I don't tend not to erase move bits and then condense ideas and then I'll come you know and then I'll eventually come up with something that feels powerful and then it might be that that again gets distilled mm-hmm. distilled down and joined with another song I mean it's just, I, th- I think that the way I'm writing now is to sort of perfect almost like, I want to say poetry, but it's not poetry. And I wouldn't say it's, you know, I don't want to say, oh, that's a poem. But like, I will perfect the, the, the lyrical content and then and then sort of shoehorn that into yeah. the melody somehow and lose bits or, you know, add bits. But I think what I've, what, what I've realised before, like from the past, I would do, you know, with my songwriting, I think sometimes... Um, as time goes on, I realise there can't be any element of the song that's weak, actually. Mm-hmm. So, like, you can't really allow you can't really allow a song to carry any sort of dead weight. So, I just need to. I, I like to get the lyrics absolutely as as brilliant as I can, right. and then do each, you know, to sort of take take that to each next section of the song mm-hmm. and sort of try and get the best out of it. Yeah. Here's a here's a always a fun question to ask a songwriter. When's the song finished? Um, is the song ever finished, or do you have to kind of just go? You know what? There it is. There. Or can you can you get to a place where you where you think no, that's 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 it now. That's done. I think it's when you can live with it. Because <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't think it is ever finished. Mm-hmm. I mean, in as much as you can always sort of tweak it and try and improve on it yep. but then I also think like with a chemical reaction you can go beyond the end point have you ever thought about revisiting some of your older works from that idea of that a song's never finished that you can always go back to something after it's technically finished whether it's something that you've thought about kind of revisiting what you did back in the 90s or early noughties with mm-hmm. you know you now and kind of what's my rearrangement my reworking of that stuff you know me then what is it now yeah i haven't you know i haven't felt the need to do that okay. i i do listen to some of my old music and think oh that'll be nice when it's finished but <laughs> <I don't, laughs> and it's already out so yeah. you know i don't but it's not I think you're much more about looking forward to the to the next new thing as opposed uh, to looking backwards and seeing what you can do with with something else. And I think if there is something that I think isn't quite finished but it's out there, I'll put that down to experience and move on. Like I don't think I I don't feel inspired to go back okay. and revisit at the moment. Yeah, it's not that I wouldn't do a version of something, but not to kind of like kind of correct it or do you know what I no, mean no, no. But I, do I don't think it's ever this... correcting it I think it's more okay. about you know that that was you then but you like that song yeah. but you are or you know, any writer any creative is you know you evolve we all evolve as people 
and it's whether or not there's kind of a I wonder what my version of that now is I guess I suppose it I suppose because we change as people over time or hopefully changes change and grow and evolve maybe it's like getting an old haircut or something I just wouldn't <laughs> do you know what I mean yes go back yeah I wouldn't I don't think you've been in sessions with people you've yeah. got quite a wealth of experience when it comes to writing for yourself as an artist but also for slash with other artists yeah. other people um for those uninitiated for those people who haven't been in a formal writing session have gone to a writing camp oh, yeah. of any form kind of from your experience how do they how do they work how do they operate what's the the, the, the fun bits what's the good stuff from your opinion and what's the the more challenging elements of that i think first of all knowing the odds of those things getting used or is very usually pretty slim so you kind of come mm -hmm. in and think as long as i can learn something from this then it will be worthwhile and if you get if you get a cut then amazing you know but a lot those sessions don't end up with cuts but as long as you kind of know that and then it's not soul destroying if you do a few and nothing ha happens that's kind of normal um you just you know it's it's i remember working with with some guys in a publishing house down in surrey and they were just saying it's in that that kind of world it's kind of a numbers game to a degree obviously okay. you have to be able to write a, a, a really really good song because so many people are pitching that you are you've got to have something that's going to break through everything you know mm -hmm. i think um that's one thing is knowing the odds and being prepared to just you know really at the core base get your you like really work and get the numbers up because i think it is really hard to get cold pitch songs cut i remember being in a in a session with someone he did you know he'd written he'd, 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 he'd you know he'd had a few kind of bigger tracks but he said it's like trying to hit the moon with a rubber band so that is like those are the kind of odds and it's just be, to be aware of that and that's normal and that's mm -hmm. fine and that's what you're sort of embarking on you know but um and the other thing is to try i would say leave your ego at the door try and leave your um you know try and be open-minded and really if if you can empathize i think empathy is really important yeah, yeah. because it's about you're sort of negotiating this sort of psychic space between you and another human being or possibly a group of people. And mm -hmm. it's quite often a session can kind of be shut down by somebody who's not sensitive to other people's feelings or not sensitive to those boundaries or um, maybe doesn't have, you know, isn't empathic toward the other writers and all that. People can just mm -hmm. clam up. It, the session sort of gets, killed you know and you and i've sat yeah. in where somebody sort of trampled other people underfoot and it isn't necessarily with the best ideas but there's a strong character in the room or whatever and i, I have sat in sessions and thought god this is the day i'm not going to get back do you know what i mean so it can be if you've got really strong characters it you know it's just to be sensitive to other people is really important it's such a sort of delicate process i think <laughs> and for me, I've got to feel safe in a writing session because you are exposing your sort of soft underbelly because you will come up with ideas that won't be used and you don't want to feel... I mean, I think it's really important that you can go, what about this? And if nobody gets it, 
you don't feel you know you don't feel like if you feel it's okay to make mistakes in that environment if that makes sense I think that's really yeah oh yeah yeah totally. yeah yeah so you you find kind of those sorts of sessions versus some of the collaborations that you've done that's that you've kind of put together or that you've been asked to do and it, it's a different vibe yeah I think if like because I've written for example I've written with Pete Doherty he mm -hmm. he asked me to write with him and right so already you've there's a bit of curations gone on and yeah. Yeah. people understand that you're probably going to jail you know and not same with Paul Weller I wrote a song with Paul Weller and he actually I got a text from him really late one night saying I'm with Bobby Gillespie and he says you're good can we write a song together I was like nice yeah okay what <laughs> um, and so you know so there's a sort of hopefully a meeting of minds already and a sort of mutual respect and all that um you know uh so those sort of sessions and 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 I've you know ended up sort of um you know doing quite a lot with Pete actually and then and again you know with Paul like that was really really brilliant experience and um and then and then you know in this sort of I've done a writer's camp you know because I wanted to sort uh -huh. of um sharpen my pencil in terms of craft try and learn more yeah, about yeah. the craft because obviously you've got this sort of intuitive intuitive kind of side of songwriting which is where you kind of intuitively feel what's right and what's not and what the song might need to do and what might need to contrast and why that's too linear or blah 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 whatever um whereas you know i think it's good to know the craft and to be able to sort of think of it without it dominating the session if that makes sense you know so mm -hmm. i did quite a lot of writing to sort of learn about the craft of songwriting and and it was it was good it was really good but in some of those sessions they can be quite challenging because then you if you're in with people with different tastes then it is literally just yeah. objective view and you know do you find that that's that's hard or do you does everybody go in when you kind of all from different walks of life with all different tastes with all different styles and ways in which you write songs do you go in there thinking oh this will be fun because we're all different or oh this is going to be interesting because we're all different well i suppose yeah i think i wouldn't go in if i if i didn't think it would be a beneficial experience to do it but then having having said that i've only done one songwriting camp because I thought mm -hmm. I don't want to do that kind of camp again. I mean, I know that um, um, there's some brilliant songwriting camps that are probably quite hard to get onto, but I know that I know one of the McGarrigle sisters is not around anymore, but they used to run songwriting camps with, like, Emily Lou Harris. And, you know, I mean, God, getting on one of those songwriting camps would be amazing, you know, or songwriting, yeah. you know, retreats or whatever. But, um, but I didn't feel I... I, I it was interesting. It's good to know what they are, but I I don't feel mm -hmm. that's for me the way I want to write. But um, but I think the reality is, any time you sit down with people who all want to write a good song, you're going to learn something. You know, <laughs> even if it's well, I don't want to do it like that. You know, because that's also valuable. <laughs> I'm I'm really I'm really interested to learn a bit more about what it was like to write songs with people like Paul Weller, Pete Doherty. Mm. So you said that they both reached out to you. They did. So they, did. they both did they both have 
something that they'd started that then you kind of came in or did you just did did you get some time in the diary and you both you all went in there with a, a nice blank piece of paper yeah and just kind of had fun with it over over a, a period of time well i think i think with with both those artists they don't need to, to you know they don't need to probably write with other people but I think if you think somebody might bring something to what you're doing, then that's the thing. It's like being open-minded and even a genius like Paul Weller, see, kind of being open-minded about writing with somebody like me. I mean, I think that's the secret as well is to, ne- is to be, mm-hmm. you know, is to be sort of, um, you know. I like, I like to think that songwriting across the board, whether you're 15 and you're mm-hmm. just starting to find your, your voice or whether you've been doing it for... 50 years you still think it's a very collaborative process definitely i mean with paul he already had a song that he'd been working on that he wanted to finish then we kind of spoke across the phone and exchanged ideas sort of in in written form and then met up Mm -hmm. and, and finished writing in the studio face to face and then recorded it and together and then with pete he actually asked me to a song called to to do a vocal for a song called At Slop House, which is the B side of a Baby Shambles, the Baby Shambles single, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think he he saw he saw that I'd I'd written some sort of again in adverse commas poetry, and then he really liked my words, and he said you should you should definitely write more. You should really 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 write kind of poetry on my poetry forum so there was a libertines close to poetry forum that a handful of people got given a login for but but the, mm-hmm. but the fans were kind of looking at and he gave me a login for the forum to write my poetry on the libertines uh, okay. forum thing so that was how that started and then he was like oh we should we should write something together you know and that's how that came about and we did write from scratch mm-hmm. um, i think that's the thing with songwriting is it is literally infinite you know like yeah, sit yeah. down in a room with someone and go right where'd you start it's like well you know we just start somewhere because your yeah. plan, plan will naturally change the song will write itself while you've got plans or whatever because you can start with an idea and it just takes you somewhere and you it's like when you're driving with headlights you can only see us that far ahead of you you know but you might be going across america do you know what i mean it's kind of like yeah yeah yeah, you, yeah. Know, the process, you just have to be in it and doing it but um and and, and then i actually i wrote a song with hal david as well you know Bert bacharach there's this and we we're, we wrote over facts at the time <laughs> so it's just it can just be so you know there's just a zillion ways to to write and and then we met up face to face as well and, and finished finished writing the song, but two songs, but um, yes. Those collaborations, yeah. getting those things, you mentioned, you know, you were called directly, someone, your name was put in, in front of Paul Weller or, or, or whomever. What relationships have you had throughout your career with publishers and with managers and agents doing, kind of hooking you up doing a bit of agency work, doing a bit of developmental A&R, mm-hmm. I guess. Well, I, I started off in that band myself and we were managed by a friend of the band and mm-hmm. we were on a major label. Well, we signed to, uh, we did that thing of signing to an indie label that was a boutique on, an, on a major. But then right. what 
kind of, well, that was Boyzone, we signed to Boyzone. Well, I signed to Soma first, actually, which was my first label, like did a white label with kind of a white label. Um, and then Andy Weatherall picked up on that and it became a kind of club hit from us kind of doing our own. And we did a white label, then Soma signed us with this song, the white label song. And then um, Andy Weatherall signed us to Boyzone Records and then London Polygram decided that we were kind of like we had potential and so mm-hmm. they they eventually they dropped Boyzone but they kept us so we then we kind of got kind of inherited onto a major label and then it just got really difficult because they didn't they didn't have the same vision for us and we had a manager yeah, yeah, yeah. who hadn't been a manager before and there was just all sorts of shenanigans and it was really difficult and there were lots of internal wrangles within the band um anyway without sort of going into detail about it it was really hard and then mm-hmm. um the band kind of fell out <laughs> managed to fall out with the label and then you're sort of sat, on, sat on a label that didn't sign you that don't really share your vision for your own kind of vibe of what your career your what your music is about and uh-huh. and then you know anyway so then i left the band and then managed to go solo and it's just you know it's sort of like um i don't know being in the music it's a bit like wipeout where you're trying to get from me to see and someone's sort of trying to hammer you off your perch with a foam hammer right <laughs> 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 trying to get there I just let me get there but um but yeah you just have to pick yourself up dust yourself off and you know I don't know. It's, mm-hmm. it, it can be challenging. There's lots of lots of learning curves. You've had you've had working relationships with majors and indies uh, on both the records and the publishing side. Have you kind of have you worked with multiple publishers on the on the songwriting side well, as well? Actually, do you know I've only uh, I think I've only really ever been published by majors actually because I signed to Warner Chapel, Sass Metcalf, um, and then I recouped there and then they kept me on and, and I stayed on Warner's for quite a while mm-hmm. and then eventually I was able to move on to Sony ATV um, and then I am currently unpublished which I'm happy about yep. so yeah yeah. How, yeah. How, what, how's your as a songwriter obviously you've been in the music industry you've witnessed the changes the shifts the evolutions in it you just mentioned that you're you're happily unpublished or self-published mm-hmm. what about being self-published in the in the place in the space that you're in as a writer as a as a creator why why are you happy about it i think because just because you control your own copyright so you can agree to do things if you if you like if you like the idea of them even if the money's not right or whatever you know or not right not right but mm-hmm. not what a major might call right you know it, it just gives you that freedom to kind of to, to synchronize to whatever you fancy, you know, yeah. and or to not as well, you know. Um, I mean, do you do do you manage all the systems yourself? You manage all the paperwork side of things yourself, or or do you have people <laughs> to do that for you? <laughs> I've got no. Thankfully, I have a manager that helps with that. <laughs> but I just don't have the headspace for all that. I'm not. I'm not really kind of. Um, I, don't, I don't think I'm that interested in the, the you know getting the. the you know, I obviously have to read my contracts and, and mm-hmm. be business-minded to a degree, but I'm not, I'm not one of these people that, that runs my own publishing company quite kind of, you know, sort of pointedly. If, yeah. You know what I mean? I just manage what comes in with my manager. 
Um, just because for young writers, I think it's really important, mm -hmm. you know, because I, I, I got asked to sing a sing on a song um, in the, I think it was probably about 2000 or just before, got asked to busk over a track and I went into this session and I, I spontaneously busked a couple of hooks over the top of a track, mm -hmm. but it didn't have lyrics. And then... It ended up. It ended up being quite a huge song. Yes. And what had happened was I'd actually written the hook of the song, but because it didn't have lyrics, in my naivety, I kind of thought it was um, a session. Mm -hmm. And so I got paid a small session fee. But then this song went on to get synced and synced and synced and synced, mm -hmm. and it was just everywhere. And then it was actually my husband said, "Did they? Did they?" Um, did they tell you what notes to sing? And I said, no, no, I just kind of came up with them. And he was like, oh, well, well that means you, you wrote, wrote that. You wrote it. <laughs> wrote it. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, that's, that's the thing. It's just constitute, what constitutes writing is the thing to learn, mm -hmm. you know, because I remember somebody saying, it was, I got some legal advice and the lawyer said, it's really simple. He said, did the melody exist before you sang it? And I said, no, and he went, well, you wrote it. Yeah. But then there's also there's also so many different ways that people can come at the process as well and songs can go through so many different iterations. They can start with one person and then they can be given to three or four other people and then that can be taken yeah. away and given to somebody else and then a producer can come yeah. on and, and, and mess around with it and all that sort of stuff. I have plenty of conversations with, with solo artists and bands now and I, you know, the first thing I, I say is, do you know between you the individuals in the band or whenever you're in a room with somebody else have you sorted out how much of the song everybody owns and then you start getting into that with what how much of the song is worth what it's like well there isn't there's not yeah. a nice tidy book that tells you this sort of stuff is there so you kind of really have to just play around with it don't you I mean, I, when it comes to me being kind of more in control of the session, what I tend to do is split it equally with whoever's in the room. Because yeah. I like to try and, you know, treat people fairly, definitely. But even if I'm, even if, like, I might have written a, the whole of the lyric and have the chord and have some of the melody, but I won't help finishing the melody. And I'll still split it three ways because I just, that's the way I write. I think it's um, a nice way of doing it as well. Yeah, from someone who doesn't, who who did write songs in a band, but uh, but you know, in a band, I always thought, yeah, everything's split, nice and equally. But then you do get people that are a little bit more, you know, you you talk to oh, lyricists yeah. and think, well, if I'm doing the lyrics and the melody, then that's a little bit more than yeah, than somebody yeah, which else. Which is just true, and that's fine. It's just everybody's got a different. I think you're right, though. It's very important if you are going to start breaking it down. To talk about it early on because people do get euphoric recall it's amazing mm -hmm. you know like well i know i think i did that bit and then you're like no i definitely did that bit because that's a, an idea that i had for five years that i finally got into a set, or whatever you know yeah you're like this didn't but you know like so people do get euphoric recall and i think that innocently happens you know so it's quite important to be 
very early on if you are going to be divvying it up specifically to kind of have those conversations and ideally get just have a paper chill and then it's done because yeah. that's what I've never done you know that's what I haven't done and you know and then I've had that horrific sick feeling in the pit of your stomach when someone goes no you didn't <laughs> like and it's your you know, word against theirs and that's a lot harder to to play around that, with and it, yeah and it did happen to me with that massive song and I met one of the people that was in this that didn't write it that gets paid for writing it and uh the, the music wasn't written by the band either so it's kind of like wow but I remember having a conversation with this person where they were like head in hands going I wondered when you were going to ask blah 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 and then they turned around and denied all of it afterwards right even after that conversation and you know it's horrific it's is like, that something that you're still pushing for that you're still fighting against or is it I something... okay I won my I got a share of the song eventually but I had to take some legal action to get it and it's because it just ended up being used and used and used and used, and yeah. it's like hundreds of thousands of pounds, you know. Um, and it's just, um, and also to forgetting the money, it's just not okay, you know, to just, it's like just steal somebody's intellectual property. Mm-hmm. It's not cool. So I think sometimes you just have to, you know, I felt I had to make a stand, but um, I've learned, I hopefully I've learned by, by my own role in, you know, learned from my own role in that, but. Um, but that's what I would say to young writers is just really is to take care of yourself because you do get a character. <laughs> I think a lot of characters in music where they're very sort of omnipotent view of what somebody's role is. Yeah. And yeah. Just sort of engulf you into that if you don't stick up for yourself, uh-huh. you know. When you were going through the the official legal proceedings as a songwriter, kind of challenging fighting against other songwriters how did that feel how was it you know did you kind of feel like you were kind of being looked at in a negative way by your peers by other people in the industry was it were you would you have ever kind of wondered whether or not you should be pushing this because you don't want to be thought of or you don't want to be that person to rock the boat you know there's a lot going on in the background i'm really keen to find out how it all fits together yeah i mean i definitely tried everything uh, like i met face to face i kind of appealed and said look I, I actually realized i wrote the hook of this song and i've had not one pence for it you know and they've made hundreds and this fans made like a lot out of it and and i'm not credited as a writer either and it's just like you just kind of in every sense been erased out of the story of your own contribution to a song mm-hmm. you know and He's like for other writers, you know, you have to set a precedent and go, you can't just, you know, it's like, because that woman, Claire Torrey, that sang Great Gig in the Sky for Pink Floyd, you know, that big primal scream over the top of that piano track, Great Gig in the Sky, she was seen as a session singer, but actually she wrote the top of the hook of the song. You know, mm-hmm. it's a similar situation, no lyrics, different melody completely, but similar dynamic, you know, and I know she had to fight from a moral point of view, sometimes you have to stand up and say, "Do you know what? <laughs> That's not all right." But I think it, it kind of it does. It comes back to that thing that you mentioned mentioned earlier about sometimes, as a creator, as an artist, as a performer, you get caught up in the in the day. It, you you mm. go in there and you think, "All right, yeah, I'm, I've been brought in to do this thing, and I'm just creating, and we're just having fun, and this is great. This is a great experience, or I'm just loving this." And you forget 
all the the nitty gritty stuff in the back end and you or maybe you overlook it you think oh yeah this will be fine and I'm, then I'm... suddenly it's it's the yeah. advantages are taken or maybe just you know the information that needs to be passed down the line was not passed down the line it's there's no malice involved either so it can just be a bit oh yeah we didn't think of that and then however many years pass yeah i think in that situation unfortunately like because when i said approached it the person i spoke to said oh my god i can't believe it's taking you this long to bring it up like so they knew that I was due a songwriting credit from what I can make out. And then after that, they denied that conversation took place. So, you know, you, you just yeah. sort of are on your tod, really, and have to try and stick up for yourself. Yeah, and, and, I, and I wouldn't work with anyone, hopefully, again, that would exploit, would exploit me in that way. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's the thing you have to try and just, just, just take care of yourself. Because that's the thing, you go in and you do a little bit of work and you don't know that that might end up being 10 major adverts or do you know what I mean? No. So you just have to protect yourself and, and, and assume that that could, anything you write could become something huge. Yeah. I don't yeah. know, to just, and to just value yourself, you know, cause that's what I think I, I didn't do. It's like value my own input and value myself mm-hmm. and my, what I was bringing to the, to the, to the, to the equation, you know, and that's what I would say to young writers is kind of like, you know, um, is is value and treasure your creativity because it can be very valuable. This conversation is happening through Airedale, through mm-hmm. Alice at Airedale. Um, yeah. When did that relationship start? Um... I that that was last summer actually that I yeah. got taken on to Adele. So yeah. can you give a bit of insight into who they are from your perspective and and why you signed up to them and what you are currently playing around with when it comes to your work with with Aradell? Um yeah, I I got I I got a couple of little bits of um commissioned composition work through Aradell, like I had to compose um a song for it was for fresh meat actually mm-hmm. um, and and um it was it was actually my husband asked me to put forward a song for this fresh meat score where they were looking for two original songs one that like basically the storyline was um, one of the characters had started a band and had written a really terrible song and his girlfriend just sort of feels like the clear blue sky, this amazing song, and she's not even in a band kind of thing. So right. that was kind of the storyline. So they asked me to write a good, a decent song. And then, arguably, this is much harder. They got Graham Coxon to write a really terrible song. Right. <laughs> it's genius in its kind of yeah. like final tap style. Do you know what I mean? Like really hard to write such a brilliantly shit song kind mm-hmm. of thing. But he wrote a song called The Implodium Implodes, which is fantastic. Nice. I wrote, and I wrote a song called Embers to Flame. So that that got that got put on to fresh meat. And um and and uh, so that was through Aradell. And then I yeah, and then Maggie Rodford that runs Aradell is just 
really brilliant. I think she was one of the first female engineers and she set it up with George Martin, I think. Mm -hmm. And um, and she's just really, I think, a really lovely, safe pair of hands and just a brilliant woman. Yeah. And so is it now, is now that the focus for you as a writer very much in the world of writing for film and television and in those those sorts of spaces <laughs> of which there are loads and loads of weird yeah. and wonderful and fun opportunities now with the whole you know online content and stuff like that yeah um no not not solely at all actually i mean i did she did put me in i was i did a session before i got taken on by by maggie she put me in with dario marianelli to write a song to, you know he did um atonement and I actually loved, I actually bought the assignment score because I loved his work anyway. And we wrote a song and then I think we got on well and um, he he must have said positive things to Maggie, I guess. And then I got taken on. And um, But so, so it kind of came to that, that type of, of writing, uh, film and TV. But I've ended up deciding to do another solo project. Okay. I've been working on that since then, yeah. So, so moving forward then, towards the end of this year and into next year, you mentioned that you've got solo projects. There is there is always the kind of the, the work that you're doing with Airedale. What is in the pipeline over the next six months? Do you have kind of a data timeline where you want to get stuff out there? Um, do you know I don't have any great time constraints, which is nice. Oh, definitely. Um, yeah, but I'm I I I'm about eight songs into writing an album. Okay. Although it's not recorded yet, so it's kind of a, it's just like some of them are existing on my phone, and yeah. there's other further further down the road with with being demoed up and pre-production. But um, so yeah, I'm just going to keep writing and then see. But hopefully in the next year or something, something will appear. But awesome. fingers crossed. <laughs> Massive thank you there to Dot for putting up with a few technical hitches at the beginning. Hopefully you didn't hear anything in there of that accord, but it was an amazing chat and I learned a great deal. It was amazing just sit down and, and listen to someone with that much experience. If you want to check out more stuff that Dot has been doing or has done through the years, go to her website, www.allison.com, and all of her solo albums and her album via, when, via the band One Dove are all available to listen to on Spotify. Please do get in touch with the show via email at behindthebusinesspod at gmail.com. Follow me on Instagram at behindthebusinesspod and also find me on Twitter at Danny Champion. As always, really, really keen to get some ideas about who I could be interviewing for the next round. I think I'm pretty much sorted for episodes up until Christmas now. So I'm looking at people to talk to and things to talk with them about for 2020 and beyond. I look forward to you returning next week for more episodes. But thank you very much for checking out the podcast. Do tell others that you think might be interested in this. And until next time, speak to you later.